welcome to Are Your Parents Proud of You? Today, we have Madeline Sayet, a member of the Mohegan tribe in Connecticut, where she was raised on a combination of traditional Mohegan stories and Shakespeare, both of which have influenced her work as a stage director of new plays, classics, and opera. For her work, she's been named a Forbes 30 Under 30 in Hollywood and, and uh, Entertainment, and was the recipient of the White House Champion of Change Award for President Obama. Madeline actually performed in Chicago over the summer at the Goodman Theater with her one-person show, Where We Belong. As soon as I saw the show, I knew I had to see it. So, Madeline and I spoke over Zoom, and here's our conversation. How are you, Madeline? Good, thanks, Matt. It's good to be here. Good. Where are you right now? I know you just came back from Portland, correct? From uh... Uh, I think I just came. Where did I? Where am I? Yeah, I know. I just came back from Seattle. Seattle. I just finished the Seattle leg of the tour, so I'm back uh, in in uh, Tempe, Arizona, on Akamo Onam and Peeposh land here, um, over by the University of over by Arizona State University. Wow, I'm really my brain is not good right now. You're doing great. No, you're doing great. No one's judging here. This is a judge-free zone. <laughs> uh yeah because where are you going now it's new york next so you're going it to is new york next yeah and i'm i'm, I'm because i'm a insane person i decided i would direct a workshop in between so i i go to connecticut to direct a workshop of a new play that's actually about um uh flying bird the last one to speak of our language who features you know uh, quite a lot within the play where we belong and then i go right from there um at the end of that week to to the public theater to do the show there and I know, you know, how has the show been thus far? I know the first time you'd done the show, you said it was very anxious. It you made you made you felt felt feel sick after. And I'm just kind of curious though, if you went through all that the first time, why go through it again? Yeah, I said I didn't run? want to. Yeah, basically I was like, this is a bad idea. And everyone was like, We think you'll it'll be good for you. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. Right. Um yeah, no, it, it, it's changed over time. It's definitely changed over time. It is a very difficult thing to do every single day. Um, during the Seattle leg of the tour, I actually had to come to terms with the fact that I, I there's been different stages of, as, as someone who is usually a director and writer, there's a kind of um, like push through you can get away with as a director and writer that you just simply cannot as a performer. Um, and I've, I feel like I've grappled with that at different stages. You know, I think that um, in, in, in like the first leg of the tour, it was sort of like, okay, maybe you shouldn't direct things on Zoom during the day, right? And then the, in Chicago, it was like, I, I injured my back and I realized like, okay, you actually have to stretch all the time. And then in Seattle, because of the smoke, I was having more problems with vocal distress. And so because I was already stressed, I was, I realized, oh, you actually can't talk in meetings all day before the show. You know, it was like, it just this like combination of things like where I'm just constantly learning, I think, how to be a performer during all of this. But um. But also um, just in terms of like, it's a lot of, it is a lot of energy that, that it expends, but it's also a lot of emotional energy and like, how do you create a container for that? And, and I don't know that I fully have, but I definitely have more, more of a structure for it than I did when I first started performing it. I think my stage manager described it as I've built up, I've built up emotional endurance because when I was first doing it, I would be like, what is happening to me? Like, you know, and I, why do I have to feel all these things every time? Um, and now, now I, I know that, I know that it's something that I go through and it ends. So I sort of like, feel like there's kind of a container for like how I inhabit this story without 
constantly being in a state of panic also because I realized that if I'm resisting it if I'm like no 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 why is this happening it actually because it's tightening up everything in my body it's it's, it's a lot harder on my voice mm-hmm. so um so I've I've learned a lot yeah um I am grateful in many ways that this tour has happened um and and it is not as scary as it was at the beginning for sure your story so I don't know if you know this, but we actually met in person during your time at in Chicago over the summer, where we both had to get COVID tested. And I get, oh yeah, yeah, and I get there before you, and I do my thing, and I'm talking to uh, the person who's in charge of it, Tab, and you come in, and and then you, and I think it was closing weekend of your show, uh, and you were talking about, oh well, yep, and go home, and then you know, get ready for class and then going to do this thing all over again. Cause I don't believe in time off. You literally said out loud, I don't believe in time off. Oh no, I did. That's yeah. Terrible. And I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Who is no, this? this is bad. What was I even doing? Where was I going after? Now I'm trying to remember what even happened after Chicago. Chicago. When was Chicago? That, oh. I can't, also, why didn't you say hi? I, you know what? <laughs> Who knows what was going on at the time? I was like, this is awkward because this was an interview. Again, this interview was like six months in the making. So I was like, right, hi, right. I don't know if you know this, but we've been going back and forth with emails for a couple months. Yeah, I would have like said hi. I actually kept wondering because you said you were to the Goodman. I kept being like, when am I going to see Matt? When is he going to appear? And then you never appeared. Um, but you did appear and you apparently just pretended I wasn't there and didn't say hi, which, you know, is a whole other thing. Um, yeah, no, it's funny as. I'm actually trying to remember now what I what happened between the Goodman and the next stop and I actually can't remember the tour was is pretty was pretty stacked back to back from the Goodman until the end of it so I think maybe I actually had a few days off but I honestly I don't think that bodes well that I actually can't remember and I I actually think 2023 I kind of just want to be off period almost kind of at this point um but um but yeah I I've had to face a lot of decision-making this year, I think around the tour in terms of, you know, I had to turn down directing like six shows um, because normally the kind of work that I'm normally doing isn't being a solo performer. And when you're being a solo performer, you can't just be somewhere else at the same time. Right. Um, And I think that I'm hoping that the ability to turn things down will now become a skill that I have so that I actually will start to have some time off because like right now, for example, I left myself five days between um, the end of the Seattle leg and, uh, and the next thing I have to do. And of course, the minute Seattle ended, I could feel the post nasal drip starting. And it was like that thing when you finish a show and your body's like, now it is time to get sick. And I was like, oh no. But I was also like, oh no, because that means I now have no days that are actually off, you know? And so leaving that time, I feel like is actually so, so important. Um, and I feel like because of having to be a solo performer for, for this year, I'm really thinking about my body in all sorts of different ways. So even though the fun part of me that likes to hang out with people does not know how to say no to things, I am seriously thinking about like, how do I actually figure out structurally ways to do less so that I don't just constantly live in a state of burnout? Isn't it hard? <laughs> yeah, it's really it's hard. hard. Um, and you're so this show. I, I don't want to. I mean, we can talk about what the play is about, but I think the bottom line is just see the play. I yeah. and just right. see the play. And if you yeah. don't, if you can't see the play or you missed the play, look yeah. it up. It's a real, also, go it's ahead. confusing to describe. Yeah. And like, and but like, you're it's your story, it is your story, and it's such a great story. Um, but I kind of want to even go through even pre this show and talk a little bit about you as a child. 
um, you were, I know, right? You were very, you, you called yourself a very shy child and like any, you, you were any, you avoid conflicts at all times, right? Yeah. This is true. Yes. Wow. I feel, for some reason I was trying to remember when I said this and I was like, I feel like Matt has now seen into my soul. But yes, um, I, I was a very shy child and I did, I was very conflict avoidant. I was like, I would like go and hide in a corner, you know, if my parents were fighting, whatever I, or lock myself in a room or I, I was, I was always, I'm still, I'm still conflict avoidancy is still something I'm, I'm, I'm working on. Um, only because I've now learned that if you run away, it does not actually solve the situation. Nope. <laughs> um, uh, that actually communication is the key. Um, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, as a kid, I was, I was super shy. That is, that is, uh, definitely accurate. I, I feel like I was also like, felt like I was carrying a lot of weight as a kid. Like, I remember I used to like sit on the trampoline for like hours of the day and think about how I was going to stop climate change. And I don't know why I thought it was my responsibility, Matt. I genuinely don't. Um, but I was like, no, got to figure it out. Going to sit here until I figure it out. And I was like, what? How is this solving anything? This is like tiny little five-year-old sitting on the There's like, damn it, she's going around, going along all around you too. <laughs> like, it's still, I still got it. It will happen eventually. <laughs> um, didn't work. It no, didn't it didn't work. work. What did your parents do? Um, were they big into the arts or even just literature itself? Yeah, it's a great question. So, um, my, my dad is an attorney. Um, he, uh, he's like a defense attorney. Um, uh, so he represents lots of folks for lots of different things. Um, you know, like it's, it's like a sort of small town situation where like, you know, he kind of knows everybody, um, for that reason. Uh, and, um, my mom is a, well, uh, was the former, was the medicine woman of the Mohegan tribe. Uh, until recently, um, and tribal historian. Uh, now she uh, is doing this work as the, I can't even describe it really. It's like she's doing cultural media work now for the tribe, sort of um, connecting. Like it's basically she's doing kind of like creative work specific to Mohegan representation in the media, but she wasn't doing that then. And it's funny because she's a playwright now, but she wasn't a playwright when I was younger so we shoot so we, we've joked that like in retrospect people are going to think that I became a playwright because she was a playwright but actually she became a playwright because I was a playwright and she was like well then how hard could it be yeah. um if Maddie's doing it already you know right. um uh but no neither one of them was like super far into the arts but my dad like reads constantly he's always read constantly and uh my mom was was I don't actually she hadn't been published yet but she was she was a writer you know she was writing constantly and and I actually felt like there's no way I could be a writer because the dedication she had to writing constantly, because, you know, at the time she was a novelist, um, was so much beyond like my sort of. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a very uh, like uh, think about it for a long time and then stream of consciousness, something comes out kind of writer. I'm not somebody who like sits down for six hours a day and just like writes right. um, that kind of that kind of commitment. I definitely didn't have. But both sides of my family did take me to the theater a lot. Um, and we're very supportive of the arts in that capacity, even though nobody in my family was like working artists. Um, uh, they both were very engaged politically. Um, I think that's part of why, how they sort of, you know, got together originally was that they were both very passionate about politics. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and yeah, my dad's family would take me uh, to see a lot of like musicals and things. And my mom started taking me to see outdoor Shakespeare because it was free um, outside in the parks. Um, and and so I was exposed to a lot of um, a lot of arts from a very early age, 
Um, but nobody ever thought it was like a job, you know, like everyone like I mean, just kind of laughed. That's what they all say about any, any of their kids who want to become in the arts. This is just a phase yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is it hard? And when you say you were shy and I, I didn't, and that surprised you, like surprised me, um, surprised me, surprised. Um, I was like, wow, this, this person who defines themselves as very shy as a kid is now doing a national tour of a solo show. Um, which, not ideal. No, not ideal at all. Is even up until this point you know, when you've been doing this show like a few years now, how hard is it? To, how hard is it to go up there in front of an audience and tell this story? I mean, even though at this point yeah. you know the story, we you've done this before, and it's you know, almost, it's a machine at this point. It's. It's really hard because I can't, if I'm fully, like, I can't really fully, I mean, I can tune out and do it like a machine, but then it's bad, you know? So it's, it's hard because it's my story ultimately is why it's so hard. So like as a kid, part of the reason I got into acting was because like, I loved the idea of being someone else and I felt really liberated by being someone else. And when I was someone else, I could be like, awesome. You know, I was like, I'm awesome at being someone else. That is great. I can be funny. I can be like anything I want to be as long as I'm not me. Um, and early on, like, I remember the first few times I had to do any sort of public speaking engagement, I would just, I would, like, cry at random points during it. And I even remember, like, like, I, I got invited to the to the White House because I was part of this group of youth receiving the, the Champion of Change Awards from President Obama. And I just remember on this panel, because it was recorded, which made it even worse, right? <laughs> like, like, I timed it out really well, so I was at least talking about colonialism or something when I started crying, but I still... <laughs> and my mom and my stepdad said like when they were watching it they were like because they were there live they were thinking like or my mom was watching live she was thinking like oh no it's happening it's happening but um I just couldn't figure out how to you know not uh burst into tears at random moments uh when when because I was so nervous always and what happened over time is that I think I was able to channel that nervousness into like a kind of energy Yep. It actually makes things more powerful because because there is the I'm taking that vulnerability and then I'm actually like acknowledging it and like using it in a way. And in the case of the show, when I'm feeling, I think the most of that is actually when the show is the best is what I've realized, because when it's totally gone. The show gets a little bit there's not as much to to like look for or hunger for or pursue and actually like the fact that I am a little terrified is actually really useful the thing that's not as useful is because it is my own story there's also the thing that happens of like if the audience isn't like I don't want to say the right audience but isn't an audience that actually is capable of necessarily engaging with the story because of whatever their own life perspectives are yeah that can be really hard because I can sense when they tune out and um and it's still my story so I just have to keep going through it right um the scaredest I've ever been was last week when I had to do a student matinee of it. And I said from the beginning, I said, guys, this was not written for this. I would have written a totally different play right. if I thought I'd be playing to an audience of all students of color who are like 14 years old. You know what I mean? Like that would have been a different play. It would have been written differently. Um, and it was funny because like every time I asked a rhetorical question, they would respond. And there was something I said about Shakespeare, like, you know, you, you know, wanting me to explain it through Shakespeare. And they were like, nope. And I was I was nope. like, I, I know, I know. I just got to finish it. I got to finish it. It was so funny because in the talk back afterwards, I was like, 
Yeah, I mean, let me be honest. This was written for like much. I assume the people listening would be much, much older than you all, and they were like, "Yeah, that makes a lot of sense." Because <laughs> like all the references were like not for them. You know what I mean? And you I know what? Like, Kids are honest, and that helps. <laughs> I know. I was, and it was like ten a.m. too, and I was like, "Why am I here? What is happening to me?" Um, but they appreciate it because their first question, interestingly enough, right? Like the first question coming from what well, seemed like a very small child, but now I'm not sure if I'm just aging rapidly, was like, hey, you know, as always sort of was like, do you get stage fright? And I was like, absolutely. And especially today in front of all of you, you know, um, uh, it doesn't go away. It, you know, if, if anything, I think that, yeah, it's, it's actually um, it's been really hard with this tour because. I became a director so that I, I wouldn't have to be like in the center or in the spotlight. And the, the stress of that, of like accidentally having to represent things when you say over and over again, I do not represent things. This is just a part of my story, you know, is, um, is really, is really difficult. And I'm super nervous about that too. Like now doing it in New York. Right. I'm like, I'm constantly waiting to be attacked. I haven't been like attacked for this show, but I'm like constantly waiting for it. Like, I feel like it's only a matter of time because I've gotten trolls for so many other things. Like right. when it comes to academia, you were expecting to get attacked for just what the show, what the show is, or you as a person or both, 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 both. Yeah. Both, I mean, okay. there was like one, one in Philly, there was a couple of people who got angry and yelled, but like, uh, not Chicago was Chicago was lovely. And Seattle was lovely. Um, oh yeah. No, for, for sure. It, but was that from like day one you were expecting really day one wow yeah yeah because yeah well I've had a lot of trolls for for questioning Shakespeare in other venues right like written work I've gotten quite a lot of trolling happening even like people take my work out of context and then use it to create something that can be like a conservative clickbait thing where it's like totally out of context particularly in the UK there was a phase where the UK papers were taking some talk I did at the like for the globe out of context just to get people to click on things and like put the same quote in like seven articles out of context and I was like y'all are crazy um but um but yeah like I my expectation from the beginning was I would get in trouble for doing this Mm -hmm. wow and then like, what kept you pushing? Was it just, this is your story and you want to tell it or? No, um, it's a good question. I think, I think it was people's responses. Um, it was that like, whenever I share it, because I didn't really want to tell it. <laughs> I wanted to go home and hide. Um, no, it's that whenever I shared it, people would respond with their stories. Um, and there was something about that, about people saying that it illuminated something in their life or that it changed something. And also as a Mohegan person, like growing up, where like the the story that everyone expects of you is that you don't exist. Like people's reference point is last of the Mohegans. And then people would be like, like if I said I was Mohegan, they'd be like, oh, are you the last? You know, or they would just yeah. assume like, well, you can't exist because there's no more of you. You know, I'd be like, well, that's a fictional story. So like that. No, that's not actually. Um, but, uh, you know. But this act, there was, I grew up in an environment where there was active erasure, you know, of my people and of my culture and where people have been actively taught that I don't exist. And so, so sometimes I'm like, the baseline is, this is, this is, at least I exist. (laughs) This is, this is better than, than, than not existing. Um, And, and people's responses to it kept taking it to different places um, where I don't ever cease to be terrified. I'm so so terrified of it being the thing that the, the thing that the, the public finally you know the native play that finally gets produced there like that is a lot of pressure you know 
and also that I'm a, like I'm, I'm I have my ancestors and stuff and I'm alone like I thought that when we break certain barriers you know there'd be like tons of us together on stage or I'd be directing you know so it's um it's really powerful and exciting but it's also like it's very stressful and scary as the part of me that's like not in any way desirous of like being the one being looked at but um when I was having some health issues recently I got to watch an understudy run of the show and I think that was very helpful for me because I could still hear the story being told as a writer yeah. and I was like oh actually okay I'm starting to understand like what it is that people need to hear separate from it being me or it being my story Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. And the effects of the show, besides this this tour, but now it's in paperback. Now people can read this, can read it themselves. Mm-hmm. And not only that, you are the executive director of the, of for Yale, the Yale Indigenous Performing Arts Program. Um, what has that done for the Mohegan tribe or for Yale itself or for you? Um. The program I run at Yale is really focused on, um, like, like I feel like it's really focused on um, developing like native. Like every year we have a new native play festival where we do, you know, multiple native plays that we develop and we bring in professional actors and everything to work together. But then in addition to that, the things that I'm really passionate about uh, as a part of that program are there's a lot of awards for young people. So there's a young native playwrights contest that you know gives a, a prize every year to. Um, to a young native playwright under 25 where they get a developmental opportunity alongside those professional native playwrights with, with professional native actors and directors. And then there's also an award that was created uh, in memory of, of Misty Upham um, and her desire to support other native youth called the, the Young Native Actors Award, the Misty Upham Award for, for young native actors that is a, a cash prize and award and opportunities for young native actor um, under 25 as well. And I, I find that those things are the things that really make me excited and and, and keep me going in terms of thinking about what is the next generation going to do. And I'm also an assistant professor at ASU and I get to teach contemporary native drama this spring, you know, at a university that has more than 4,000 native students. So I'm really excited about that and to keep thinking about um, the next generation and what's really happening. And, and it's so funny because I feel like where we belong in so many ways feels like, it feels like such a weird fluke to me because it's like of all the projects I've worked on, you know, it wasn't commissioned by anyone. I wasn't hired to do it. I wrote it like to try and process something. And then everyone was like, this thing means something. And I was like, oh, like, you know, so it, it's, it's, um, I think it's also been a really good lesson for me in always in, in, in the power of that format in like, Hey, like, yeah, I used to just make things with my friends. And some of the best work I made was like random stuff I just made with my friends. It wasn't, the stuff that I get asked to make and that I think the more that theater turns into a job in some ways the less creative it is at times yeah. and so I have to keep like looking for ways and opportunities to to focus on how are we making transformational change how are we investing in the next generation or how are we just exploring a creative idea as opposed to everything becoming kind of like you know functional within these different systems for sure so then how you feel about knowing when this tour is over you're back to performing for a classroom and you have to go teach and do all this over again. The performing never ends for you is what I'm saying. Yeah, I guess that's true. But, you know, I don't think about, I think I think about teaching similarly to the way that I think about directing where I feel like I'm facilitating a conversation. Um, I don't feel like, I, I don't think I'm the, I, I don't feel like I'm the kind of teacher where I'm like, here's my talk. Um, I, it is interesting because I actually do think that 
where we belong did evolve out of a phase of my life where I was doing public speaking engagements a lot, which is why it's interesting you pointed out this sort of specific journey. Um, because I had like, just because I had just been a TED fellow and a bunch of other things, I had been doing a lot of hour long monologues that were essentially public speaking engagements. And I had been writing in that form a lot. And, uh, and I don't usually talk about that, but I do think that that is a little bit of how that thing was able to be created without just like me being like, this is an insane thing. Right. Um, but I, I don't think that it's all performing. And I think that I don't know what will happen next. Like, I don't know if I'll do more performing. Could be yeah. fun, you know, to play a character that's not myself anymore. Um, but, uh, uh, or, or if I'll do more writing or if I'll do more directing. I, I mean, I am teaching in the spring, but I also have other things that I'm also doing at the same time. Um, I can finally catch up on all the writing commissions that I was supposed to do that I haven't been able to do while I've been performing. Yeah. So um, I'm excited by like the fact that it feels like there's a lot of possibilities. Right. I, I was also listening, I was listening to an interview you did where, you know, I when use Goodman as an example, when this show was announced, this was announced so late. And this was mm -hmm. the play to be announced for our season. Uh, and no one, and when I even started, I was like, do we know what the play is? And no mm -hmm. one. So we didn't, and I thought maybe spring is when it was announced. And I was like, cool, what is this play? Never heard of it before. I'm sure it would be great. Um, but, I, but I remember you said in the interview of, of you know, you can tell when people are into it or not into it, or when people who identify as, or who are Mukigan are in the audience and are responding to the play. How, what is the post like show reaction when you come out and maybe more than anything, you wanna go home. Yeah. Then there are people there who wanna discuss it more with you or discuss something with you, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because I don't, so, so one, I, yeah, I totally can tell when Native people are in the audience because they laugh at certain things and they respond in certain ways and they shift the entire structure of the audience so that other people can hear things a little differently. Um, I also can tell when the audience is with me and when they're against me um, or, if, or if there's enough people with me that it's making people think differently, um, you know, or if they're just fully tuned in. The Goodman was a great physical space for the show. Yeah. So I actually feel like that helped so much. Because I, I think the show is hardest to perform when it's like in a very proscenium-y proscenium where it's like there's us and there's them and there's a divide. The Goodman, it really felt like we were all there together. And I felt like that that was such a reward with audiences like day after day to feel like we were together in that way, in that space. Um, after the show, it's interesting because, you know, I actually, I kind of like, I think, talkbacks because I never see the audience unless they've actively sought me out. Like no one ever tells me. Like, I, it takes me like 15 minutes to get out of my costume and blow my nose and everything. Blow my nose many times, basically is what I'm doing is blowing my nose many times. Because uh, I think that's probably why I got like a sinus thing at the end of the show, right? It's because I like crying every day does actually have a sort of effect on you over time. Um, but um, but uh, yeah, it takes me a little while to come out. And it's not like the pre-COVID days where people really come backstage or anything. So right. I, don't, I don't usually see people after, which actually is really weird because it also it's not like a a multi-person cast it's just so it's very yeah it's very different um so but I do when when people when the show is over and and people you know if there's native people a lot of them you know uh like whoop or lulu and then it's like very obvious that they're there are native people there um but also um how they respond in the last moment it's it's really a spectrum and it's interesting because it's like um 
I can usually, the Goodman, I could usually tell when I got to the end, whether I had carried them with me to the end and whether I was going to get a standing ovation or not. It was like, that was how intimate the space was, was I could actually like thread the show and tell like, this is a show where they've been with me, or this is a show where I lost them because I spaced out at one moment or, but each theater is so different. And the structure of the theater, whether it's proscenium, whether it's thrust, it's, it's all, it's all super, super different. And, and it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to do every single day. And and now I finally hit the point where I can't remember lots of performances, you know, but, um, but the ones that I remember, I feel like most are the ones where people in the audience, I don't ever remember what I did, you right. know, but I remember when people in the audience responded in unique ways to, to specific things, like always. And I remember when someone leaves a note or asks to talk to me, like always, because because it's the exchange back that I ultimately remember. Like what I'm doing is actually kind of kind of uh, hard to remember because I've just done it so many times. Yeah. And before we we go to our game, I need to know what did your parents think of the play? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so my mom. It's funny. My mom's seen it a few times. The first time she saw it, I was so nervous because she's in it. You know, I thought, oh my god. Yeah. And she just nodded like every time as she said something. Her character said something. So I was like, well, I guess I didn't represent her incorrectly. You know, she like nod, like yes, that's correct. Um, my dad at first was like, oh no, she's writing a play with like stuff in it. And then afterwards, like you know, he's like, yeah, why aren't I in the play? And I was like, I thought you didn't want to be in the play. Know. You know, that's, don't you love it when we call our parents out on something and they're like, wait, why wouldn't we include it more or something yeah. like? Yeah, and then I, and then when he because when he'd heard I was making another play about something, he's like, oh no, not another play. And he was like, yeah, why aren't I in the play? It seems like I don't exist. And because there was a couple of reviewers who thought he didn't exist because he wasn't in the whole play, and I was like. Well, I mean, I, I didn't like. I, somebody was joking. It was like, yeah. Well, now that the play is good, you know, everybody wants to be in it. Yeah, you know, right. We didn't know what the play <laughs> was going to be like. Nobody wanted to be in it. <laughs> it like, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Um, but no, they're very supportive, and they've both seen it. They've both seen it multiple times. Um, yeah. So my family, my family's been been very, very supportive, and I'm really grateful for that. That's awesome. Speaking of grateful, it's I'm it's, yeah. grateful for this incredible game. Uh, yeah. We'll play <laughs> great segue. Time for two two minutes on the clock. Two minutes of random icebreaker questions. There is no right. There is no wrong. I am just curious to see what your opinion is. All right, are you ready? <laughs> I hope so. All right, it'll be great. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Beer or wine? Beer. Typical time to wake up noon <laughs> what is in your fridge right now uh eggs yogurt uh eggs yogurt berries eggs yogurt and berries fork spoon or knife fork what shakespeare play would you like to be in 12th night what shakespeare play would you reject being in titus andronicus uh are you a morning or night person uh it, de it depends on my schedule karaoke song of choice Something from Cabaret. Oh, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? 456. What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? I can't remember. <laughs> Ask Monty Python for me. Okay. <laughs> Will do. Uh, what do you like to do on a two show day? Uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you ever been in a musical and what was your favorite? I have been in a musical. I've been in uh, a couple musicals. I played uh, the Artful Dodger in Oliver. 
Um, and I played Bonnie and choreographed a production of Anything Goes in high school. Who's the worst? Who is the worst of those people or just in general? Oh, in general. Who's just the worst? Yeah, who's just the worst? Columbus or Andrew Jackson? <laughs> yeah. Uh, AC, AC or DC? Uh, AC? <laughs> Did you finish Game of Thrones and can you look past that final season? I did finish Game of Thrones and I think I can only look, well, look past the final. I mean, I didn't read the books, the, all of the books, but the final season, I mean, no, you can't really look past it. The final season, no, you can't know. The short answer is no. <laughs> and that's how we play time for two. Look at that. That was, it's a great game. Great party game. Bring it's your friends. Game. It's a good game. <laughs> oh, Madeline, before you go, I think we answered this, but just for confirmation, uh, are your parents proud of you? Yes. Yes, I would agree. Uh, I'm so glad this interview uh, was a long time in the making because it was so worth it. So thank you for coming on. I thank had fun. You, My thanks to Madeline for coming on the show. And that is it, folks. Uh, we're going to take a few weeks off. Just nothing bad. We just have a lot of go things going on right now. But we'll be back in the coming weeks with new episodes of our show. In the meantime, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Parents Proud Podcast, and email us, parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. And that is it for this week. I am Matthew Schufreiter. I'll see you next time on Are Your Parents Proud of You? Bye-bye.